All right, once again, back to I've Seen You, episode 9, and I'm joined with with a friend that I can say really helped me get to where I am today uh, in many, many ways, and we'll just dive into it and catch up with my former colleague and great friend, Benjamin Powell. Ben, how are you doing, buddy? Hey, Paul, how's it going? Uh, it is good, and I can hear your smile, and it's just, it's good to catch up. Uh, I can't believe how fast time has gone. I think it's been three plus weeks since we first thought about trying to connect to do this, so I'm glad we finally nailed it down, and we are here. You're in a nice little village in Denmark. You you were kind of uh, on a little bit of an isolation path already before all of this. <laughs> how are things? And I, I can't pronounce the name, um, and I know you're not a, you're, I'll rat you out, you're not a Dane in you know, uh, by birth, but you're getting there quite quickly. What's what's the name of your little village there? So I might even get it wrong myself, Paul, but I'll give it a shot. So the name of the little village is called Bruyrup. <laughs> Bruyrup. <laughs> yeah, which is spelled B-R-Y-R-U-P. <laughs> Bruyrup. All right. And I challenge yep. I challenge anyone out there to find that on a map. Um, <laughs> but it is it is really a beautiful little area of of Denmark. You know, not. Not really that isolated. You you are well connected to the bigger cities. You can get to Copenhagen and such, but it's it's just a beautiful, picturesque part of Scandinavia. Yeah, we 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 consider ourselves very lucky, very fortunate to be. Uh, we love the countryside. Uh, my wife Hella and I we uh, we love being active. We love the outdoors, and um, for us, as much as we love big cities, <laughs> we like them in short chunks. <laughs> I think it's fair to say we like to come in and out of big cities we we really do love the nature and the countryside so we've settled on this spot which is yeah three hours three and a half hours uh, west of um, Copenhagen and central of the uh, the big mass land of Denmark Yuland. Uh, so uh, isolated yes uh, tranquil yes uh, in these corona times probably one of the places I would rather be actually that works out well because yeah it definitely uh, it makes any kind of uh, tracing a lot easier. You have a much smaller network that you would come across, uh, you know, a short one block walk, uh, you know, a couple hundred uh, yards over to uh, to the grocery store there. Is there been an, a notable impact directly there in Borja? Uh How do you go to the store still? Um, you know, how, how's that played out at, at the home front in such a small area? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely been an impact and a change on the community. I mean, it you know it is a small town, so we have fifteen hundred people in, in in this little town, and but still we have everything here. So we have the hairdressers, we have the small shop, we have the doctors, we have everything you need is in this town. But you know, even your neighbors, you know, walking down the street or walking to the local shop, you know, they move to the other side of the road, and which is bizarre for such a small town, right? Usually, it's everything everything is cozy and as we say in Denmark, everything is hugelied and you speak to your neighbors as you're passing, but it just became a little too real when, you know, your neighbors, uh, yeah, walking over the other side of the road because you, you don't want to pass too close and you want to respect the rules. So we've definitely felt it here, um, even though definitely on a smaller scale than compared to the big cities, but yeah, inc- incredibly disruptive all around. But again, we're in the nature, so we, we're definitely not complaining and we can be outdoors and we have been outdoors through the whole, through the whole crisis, actually. And that's fantastic because I mean you got I mean literally right out the backyard you you walk down and you have a lake there uh, you have the little the little dinghy that we uh, cleaned <laughs> up in the early days when you moved in there I remember visiting um, and then Hella can swim you know so 
being outdoors, still able to get in the water and enjoy that aspect. Well, I guess it's been winter, so as it's warmed up, um, being outside, still able to get out and ride and uh, get the, the fresh sunshine. Yeah, exactly. So we've we've not been restricted at all on physical activity. Um, so we've been as active of, of we, as we ever would be and running, riding, uh, as you say, uh, winter's been so the lake is a little too cold to get in now, but uh, we've definitely been outdoors just as much as we, we would anyway, which yeah, we are very, very thankful for because yeah, as I know and as you know as well, Paul, many people being stuck inside at this time. I mean, I was speaking to a friend of mine who was in Girona and um they literally confined to the apartment and can, could only go to the grocery store for a maximum of one hour and needed to show a receipt of what he's purchased and that he's been to the grocery store within one hour of that receipt and uh, that we are definitely not here so uh, definitely very fortunate wow yeah that's uh that'll slap some perspective on you for sure um yeah people yeah pushing back on having to wear masks or some form of protection to go to the store uh, and then to hear, yeah, there's people that need to prove with a receipt where and when they've been and what they got. So that's that's a wild bit of perspective. And you mentioned uh, you mentioned a Danish term, you know, hygge or hygli. Uh, this, other than like direct family, this has been like a moratorium on on hygli. I just realized that, like, man, that's uh, uh, and I love that phrase, and that's one of my favorite things of Danish culture uh, to have uh, you know come across and tried to adopt. And I, I very much look forward. Uh, it's probably going to be my next Facebook status. I look forward to the next time I can enjoy a hygli evening with uh, with mixed company and and see that other side of this uh yeah. the uh the ban on huga lifting <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's funny because i'm as, as we speak right now paul i'm looking out uh, onto the lake and looking at my neighbors and it is epitomizing Hugli. The, the, the family is out on the boat dock. They have um, an open fire, wood wood fire, and they are actually making in Danish. I think, and I'm going to pronounce this wrong. So, if there's any Danes listening to this, apologies. But so they're making what's known as smørbrød, which is like uh, bread on a stick. So they've got the family has got the bread on the stick, and they are basically warming it over the open fire. And we are yeah for quarter to five in the evening, and uh, that's. Yeah, there's five of them out just <laughs> roasting some bread. Uh, that's very classic Danish, actually. <laughs> there you go. I can definitely picture that, and I, I think that is a great way to, to encapsulate at least how how something of that feeling can can continue. You know, to to still find those ways, those little things to to cherish and celebrate uh, that you can. Agreed. And that's I think that's important. So, you know, uh, you're you're your dialect, your pronunciations here. Um, I won't make fun of you because you are <laughs> far ahead of myself uh, in any kind of Danish and pronunciation. And uh, I think you have a pretty fair uh, coach and, and your wife that can uh, help you along. But you you actually are pretty hard to peg down. And I think more than anyone I've ever met and worked with or come across and traveled with, people have a difficult time nailing down where you're from. But you're actually <laughs> from an area that may be kind of similar uh, to where you're at now as far as having some distance and having your quaint little village. Uh, you you are the Valley Wanderer. You're from Wales. <laughs> yep, correct. I am... Um... I'm I'm from Wales, uh, 100% Welsh through and through from the valleys, uh, just north of the capital of Wales, which is Cardiff, so into the Rhondda valleys. 
and uh, that's where my family are still other than my brother who's in London but my family are uh, in the valleys in Wales and uh, my dialect is it's extremely lost but there's a bit of a backstory to it because I left Wales in 2009 um, I moved overseas to the Canary Islands to, to Lanzarote and I worked on a sports resort and that sports resort was Danish family owned so a lot of the guests that were coming into that resort were Danish and in the very early months of being there I was basically a guide in the sports department and being there I was really struggling for the guests to understand me they kept on asking me to repeat what I was saying and in the end I realized that okay this is because my dialect my Welsh dialect is really strong I we cut off the words you know there's a lot of slang so instead of saying what you say what and you know you you really just mix things up so I just started to change, you know, the way I pronounce words, actually maybe completing uh, words and sentences rather than cutting them in half. And it's kind of stuck. And uh, even to this day, I, uh, if even recently within the last few months, I've uh, met some new new people, new colleagues, etc., etc., who are actually British. And when I said I'm from Wales, they've actually thought I'm joking and they've actually, you know, kind of a few hours later said so where are you actually from <laughs> so yeah it's uh, it's a little lost but as you as you alluded to paul it's uh, yeah i'm from the valleys of wales which is a very communal very very tight-knit community it's old uh, coal mining industries is rich in the valleys of, of wales so you know we have rows of houses which is which are 100 150 attached to one another and three to four rows back so it's you know you you as we say in the valleys you you know everyone and anyone and you walk into your neighbor if you want some sugar and you don't lock your doors etc etc so it's a very 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 tight-knit community absolutely i remember a number of weeks back um well golly we can say two months back now when this kind of first kicked <laughs> off and and the impact mm. was still yet to be known um you you shared uh, a message on facebook um in talking about that that tightness uh of of you know the you know frequency of you know dropping in at the pub and how how close and even the terms that your family wasn't just you know your blood kin and your own home but you know the neighbors how close everyone mm. was mm. Uh, have you have you been in contact with you know, with family still in wales or, or old colleagues or friends and how how has it influenced another remote area that the the, the normalcy of life is so different under these conditions Mm. Yeah, it's a good, it's a great question, Paul. It's um, one of the, th as, as you allude to, the, the, the post that I put out, I, you know, it was really in a time like now where we we have a you know a global crisis and a, and a virus pandemic that really, you know, can, can hit the tight, tight, tight-knit communities and people that are close. We saw it with Italy, right, with everybody lives on top of each other and they're elderly, etc. And, and it really made me think about home because that is, you know, there's a lot of similarities into the valleys. I mean, everybody knows one another, as I've mentioned, but more so, I mean, we're extremely social, extremely, extremely social to the point where, you know, you gather on the, the corners and you speak to one another on your doorsteps or you go to the pub, etc., etc. So I was actually very concerned that, you know, if, if we didn't take it serious as a, as a let's say, community, uh, in the valleys that the coronavirus could could sweep the valleys and, and be kind of catastrophic but 
more so what I've seen from afar. Now I'm obviously living in Denmark and just watching, you know, how the valleys kind of handle this pandemic. It has been phenomenal to see how they've just found their way of they respected all of the UK government's guidelines, but they've managed to find absolute positivity in all of it. I mean, they're having street parties in in the valleys. I mean, they're having socializing via drinking is a big thing in in the valleys. So they still. You know, friends of mine are getting their DJ booths out onto the street, and all of the neighbors are lined up and they're doing street bingo, and it's <laughs> it's phenomenal to see from afar. But I think it also shows that in times like now, it's really the the tightness of strong knit communities that really really shine through, uh, really really shine through, and uh, yeah, it's. Uh, is always positive in the valley so it doesn't matter how tough a period is and that's one of the things that I'm extremely thankful for growing up in the valleys i mean it really toughens you up i mean you know you you get exposed to a lot of things and but there's always a way to find positivity in it and i think looking in on the valleys now from afar it's clear to see that i don't want to say they're having a good time but they definitely make it look like they are <laughs> enjoying this uh, change of of uh, weekly and daily dynamics you could say there you go they're making the most of it in the best ways they can yeah and yeah, that's absolutely that's what i like to see and you know as as you know i've gone through this and had the opportunity to chat with with friends you know now around around the globe and hearing how the different areas and we've transitioned from when it was very early on to see this coming and now in a lot of places are over that curve and they're starting to look at what things could be on the other side finding something to to bring us through something that helps mm. us feel you know not normal but just just comfortable in this time um you know, yeah. to keep it going making the most of it that's that's what we need to be looking at it needs to be more than just you know i can't go out i have to show a receipt i have to wear a mask i i i am so impacted by this i feel fine i'm healthy blah 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 but find something that you can say, hey, we're working through this. Uh, mm-hmm. And early on, um, even on you know on a separate episode of the podcast, you know, we've mentioned how it's it's been, you know, we're all dealing with this. And lately, I've actually now started to see that turn a little bit that we're all dealing with it, but we're not all necessarily on the same boat. Even this morning, mm. I saw a little meme that's like, you know, we're all on our own boat, but we're dealing with the same storm. And I thought mm. that was quite interesting. And then to see an area like the valleys that would be so social and so closely tight knit, um, you know, in my mind, I'm, I'm picturing, you know, in a valley floor. So everyone's, you know, pulled nice and tight together by, by, you know, geographic restriction like yeah. that. Um, yeah. You know, they're still finding a way to abide by, you know, the, the, you know, the health recommendations and to be smart and to make the most of it. So, yeah, uh, I think, you know, I think, that should shine a little light on that and say, hey, you can make the most of it, even if you're not used to it. It's not your normal MO that you wouldn't, you know, bump elbows, uh, get locked in at the pub <laughs> overnight. You know, you've stayed too yeah. long, so keep on going, uh, keeping it all tight together, but being smart about it. So just put that space in there and still try to move forward because 
we're not going to have a light switch moment that we go back to normal. You know, no. none of the countries that have gone through this and have been the farthest through it, thinking about some of the early countries in Asia that where it started in China and surrounding countries as it quickly blew up, even the ones that have done the absolute best and are in the best position now, they're not in a pre-corona state. No. And very few of us, if any of us, will remember when this is all over, what exactly it was like in a pre-corona state mm. versus mm. what the new normal becomes. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think as well, you know, I, I'm a big fan of, you know, kind of you know, innovation and change and I and I I believe that change comes with massive, massive events. I mean, as much as I hate to reflect back on a catastrophic event like nine eleven, I mean it fundamentally changed the world, right? It changed the way we travel. It changed the way we we we, we did things, and uh, I I'm convinced that coronavirus will fundamentally change things for the better as well. And this is not just a negative. This is you know thinking in the positive that coronavirus will change the way things uh, are uh, for the better, and also just for the necessary. And I I look at uh, big. I'm a big fan of sports and sports technology and. I can't help but um, look at how the model of sports and um, also broadcasting of sports uh, is is fundamentally going to change. It has to change because if you look at sports today, over in the US, right, the big commercial sports such as basketball and baseball and all of these big stadium NFL, I mean, they, they can't operate. The, the business cannot run <laughs> at the moment, so they have to change. They And I saw an article yesterday actually about a Danish football team, AGF, which has done a partnership with Zoom so that when the football returns now in June, I think it is, the, the games will be played in stadiums with no fans, yet they're going to put up uh, massive televisions around the entire perimeter of the field that is streaming, showing fans on these big, big screens so that the players are aware and they know that fans are watching and basically the fans the moment that the player scores they can run up to one of these big screens and and the fans will see that player right in front of them and for me that's a sign of innovation and forward thinking and creativity that a pandemic such as corona as terrible as it is it changes it changes the world right it completely changes the world and it changes industries for the better it does and that's that's absolutely incredible i hadn't heard about that and you know if if you've ever been to like an indoor sporting event when when they're practicing and there's not the the Mm -hmm. noise so at a nba uh, arena uh if you've been you know watched a basketball team practice and warm up when there's not a arena full of people and noise it's kind of weird it's all squeaky and you know some just weird breathing noises and a little bumping and the players you know occasionally you know shouting out here and there so it's it's a completely different dynamic for the athletes so it's not just mm. having the fans in there and i honestly i don't I, I wouldn't fathom a calendar uh to say when we'll see a full nfl stadium or a full premier league stadium because that is that is the worst case for what this virus can do to us yeah. uh, and being able to track and everything. So I think we're going to see a lot of these strange moments, but to hear of the innovation that's going on in a scenario 
like uh, like that with this Danish football club and partnering with Zoom, being ahead of this, thinking how do we incorporate technology, but still have the point, you know, what, what really makes humanity come together. And sports is generally a big area for that, that, mm. you know, that brings us together. The, the World Cup, yeah. the Olympics, you know, yeah. what, what will the Olympics look like next year in Japan? I expect it to go on. I would be, I would be, you know, just shocked if they don't make it happen next year. Mm. But... I don't think we're going to have the uh, you know the the swim uh, facility packed with fans mm. watching mm. The, the swimmers uh, nor the yeah. track. So Agreed. it's it's going to be quite interesting, but there's ways to get around it. And yeah, this this is the you know the the necessity of innovation to to solve this new phase because we're all yeah. used to going to the the security line now at the airports. I wasn't a big traveler when 9-11 happened. I was in high school age and a high school mm-hmm. kid in Texas. You know, you didn't go to the airport that often. Uh, I have vague memories of when I did fly, you know, having one of my parents, you know, even if they're dropping me off to take a flight by myself, walking me to the gate wasn't a big deal. That was mm-hmm. normal. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yet now that that takes, you know, you got to have a special ticket and all this over, you know, all the stuff to do. And yet in the U.S., TSA, uh, you know, that's normalized. It's just the line yeah. is part of the airport. So that kind of shift to, to become a new normal is what we're looking at here. That'll be in the post-corona times of what will this look like? You know, will will they continue to push for these bigger mega stadiums, these football stadiums we have in the U.S. Uh, but you know, the American football, uh, you know, you know, tens of thousands of people, you know, packed in there over each other, you know, cheering. I think the biggest thing that you know that the athletes are going to have to adopt to is you know what do they do for the noise, the environment? How do they mm. get pumped up to to really you know push through? <laughs> you know, yep. are they going to grab the sound from all these different points? You know, do they have small viewing areas? You know, can we have you know? I, I assume we'll get back to the point we'll have a thousand people together. Uh, mm. I, I can't fathom that we wouldn't. You know, strive to achieve that. But will there be remote sports viewing facilities? You know, like go to the movie theater, big screen, and they take your audio and pump it into the stadium. You know, there's... agreed. And, and and that's exactly. I had a conversation with, with Helen, my wife, earlier. We were talking about how sports performers today, in specific sports, you know, they are used to, they're accustomed to to major fans. You know, if you look at Premier League, if you look at any major you know, league and commercial sport. I mean, those players perform at their best in front of major, major fans. And, you know, you take that aspect away and that's a huge, huge change uh, of performance environment for that for that individual. And it's, it's going to take time, I think, before we really understand, you know, the impact and change that, that something like this brings. But I think it's going to be... Yeah, so, so widespread. And again, I think there'll be so much good that comes out of it in the long run. And I think there will be businesses that, you know, absolutely thrive. Whilst there'll be businesses that also, unfortunately, are on the receiving end, there will be these new businesses that come in and, you know, bring a model and bring a bring a product that is just in tune with this new digital age of especially if you're thinking of sports tech and stuff it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting times for sure well it'll be very very curious to see how how you dance this dance as sports has been such a, <laughs> uh, such a piece of i mean you know 
taking you out of the valleys and the, the yeah. you know you know travel and everything that you have done and where you are sports is you know in your blood so you know how you maintain uh being around this and you know seeing it and you do do think big you do have innovation in the blood so i i am eager to see from where you dance in this and how it evolves and stay stay active there i think that'll be quite quite interesting in the coming months and years this this will go on there will be continued innovation uh while we strive to get back to you know having x amount of people in a facility together also what we do in the meantime and how others can then participate you know does does viewing from a distance can we elevate that now um as you say with the zoom screens and this uh, danish football club can someone who's not there who didn't have the opportunity to get there uh maybe they were physically unwell and so they wouldn't be in a facility Mm. anyways do they get a better opportunity so finding those positives i think will help all of us yeah I, I agree 100 percent and and actually it's <laughs> I'm actually you know in my mind I'm seeing this as as opportunity land left right center right to 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 dive into something that's maybe new and creative and innovative and Helen and I are working on some some business kind of ideas that are in this field actually of connecting people from all over the world you know it doesn't matter where you are it doesn't matter your background etc that you can still access uh, services and you know and and um, educational material or whatever it might be, but it, you don't need a physical place. You know, you don't need a communal place to get to as one another. And that's um, that I think we'll see more of now. I think the world will gravitate to more of these digital communities and these these as as you've been doing as well, Paul, in in, in your work. You know, like coming online, doing more things online, but still, uh, as I like to say it, it's like creating digital spaces where there's no borders you know so you can bring so many people from so many different time zones into this same space uh, with the same benefits but it's not confined to a physical physical place that you need to be yeah i think the favorite thing that i've locked on to um is i started uh as a cyclist i've gotten into zwift i i still don't necessarily care for getting on and just doing a general ride for no. 90 minutes two plus hours like having the wind go over you coasting feeling the bike move that you know that's where my passion of cycling comes from Mm, but mm. i haven't been able to consistently you know race and do like a crit race or anything like that since you know really since my son was born because of the time commitment and the cost and everything but i've been jumping on and doing these zwift crit races they have their little crit city and i can get in and it, it makes me push harder. You know, I find a group that's going to be a similar watts per kilo and I can get in there and I feel that competitive edge. And, you know, perhaps, okay, so there's the, the monthly to Zwift, you know, there's a subscription to be part of it. Uh, you know, and perhaps in the future they start monetizing in that in some other way as people find that as a new outlet or a new avenue of opportunity and maybe it gets mm. more engaging but for me right now to be able to jump in there and at different times of the day different days of the week and still get into that and feel that competitive edge it it's it's really been quite nice and it's helped me get through this time that is really just kind of all you know melding together i have to put different things on the calendar other than work five days and then take two days off it's all blurred together at least if i look at the calendar for doing some racing it helps me put a little metric to time i've done four races this week you know okay i need to take some days off i'm feeling in my legs i'm getting a different sensation you know as you would if you were living your life pre-corona going to work Mm. getting out of the house and coming home you got to have that mix up 
And it's, yeah. it's something that really, you know, I think, you know, people got to continue to find what works, what's positive, what helps them through this. Uh, yeah. Cause it's absolutely, incredible. it's incredible how long yeah. it's gone on now. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, we talked, you know, the days just, just melding by, um, you know, for me, it crawled in the early days. There was so much news, so much information that you, you had so much change occurring quickly. So mm. those days seem to be forever. Like, oh my God, how long is this going to last? But now that we kind of got into it, it's been very much a rinse and repeat cycle. And I, you know, seasons, you know, I, I mentioned you, oh yeah, hopping in the water and swimming. Well, I mean, we're heading into very nice warm, you know, 80 plus degrees Fahrenheit here, uh, you know, poking into the 20s Celsius in Colorado. Uh, but we started this in March, which was cold. <laughs> and it felt yeah. like eons ago. So, <laughs> yeah, it's like Groundhog Day. <laughs> yes, and I've, I've seen so many Groundhog Day memes. It probably didn't help that Groundhog Day occurred during this. Um, no. You could just keep hitting play and have the same song on the you know the alarm every morning. Uh, it's just mind-melting. Uh, has there been anything that you or you and Hella have, have done to help, you know, help with that calendar moving, but like hmm. seemingly not moving? Yeah, I mean... <sighs> Very early in in, in in all of this, we, we realized that we needed to get structure. I mean, we, 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 we needed it for ourselves because the news was, of course, very, very depressing. And, you know, the, it was ever-changing and, of course, always important. But we realized that this wasn't actually positive for us. Like, we, we weren't, you know, looking forward to the days because it was like, ah, it was all being blended into one. It was always negative news. So very early we, we set some structure that we would only actually listen to the news first thing in the morning at breakfast and then actually in the evening, um, I think the six o'clock or seven o'clock news or something. And that was our, we set that as like, like our goalpost for, for absorbing news. And what we, fortunately, before the whole corona <laughs> kicked in, Hel and I were, were deeply immersed in new projects and, and new things that we wanted to kind of initiate anyway, Corona or not. And what Corona has done is almost kick-started us to say, okay, well, now is our time to, you know, learn new fields actually and, and you know, immerse ourselves into understanding things that we maybe wouldn't have understood before so for example i'm reading a lot more <laughs> than i've ever done actually and it's because I'm, i want to learn uh, a new field I'm, I'm actually now specifically in the field of uh, digital product development so i'm actually now deeply immersed in learning um you know about digital products and how they differ from physical products and uh, also like machine learning and user experience and all of these things and I found that has really helped um, break up my day. So I have working periods, but then I have these kind of, I almost want to say they're learning periods. They're periods where I specifically read, um, whether it's an audio book or it's, um, I've got Medium, the platform, the reading platform is, I've found so, so good for, for this. And yeah, there's a couple of physical books, but it's, it's really more than ever, like I've always read um, passively, you know, I think I've been a passive reader. I, I like to read different articles, but 
Never in the sense of I read to learn, you know, or at least I didn't, not not with purpose anyway. I think in the past, I've always read out of curiosity, which has probably been me learning in the background. But now explicitly, I'm Hella and I, we, or Hella as well, we, we, we're reading more and reading for the purpose actually to learn rather than just to read stories. You know, it's like reading in fields. I, I read, a, it was a good quote at the start of the year where it was, somebody said that to learn, you should read in a way that challenges you actually so it's a hard read so the reading that you do actually makes you you know investigate the words that you're reading etc etc now that's going a bit deep but it really triggered me to think about okay well in this time where you know the world is stood still so to say you know it's an opportunity to learn a new field and to, to really immerse yourself in a new field and i've yeah we've introduced that at home and it's helped it's really helped to feel that you're getting something out of this period right like you, you rather than just it being groundhog day as we just spoke about it's like you're getting something out of it more than just the same old, same old day in, day out. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's something that we've implemented. And um, I, I found for me it's worked. It's really been a good distraction, actually. Uh, really, really been a good distraction. Yeah, and I can imagine, especially, yeah, uh, like you say, reading and you know, something that challenged you a little bit, you, you have to focus in a little bit more when it's maybe abstract concepts that... You know, it's so easy to read something and breeze through it. And we read so many small snippets in our social media feed and emails and such. It's a little data and you kind of just, you know, process what you need and move on. But reading yeah. to challenge yourself, reading to learn, um, you, you need you need that challenge that helps you hone in the focus. So you're not multitasking or, you know, thinking about something else on the side and not really getting a benefit. Um, but, you know, it also helps when you have a bit of that that desire to, to grab that information and pull it in because it does help you know push you forward to keep it going so uh that is that is super cool and you know i think it's a great a great thing that people could take to you know what are they going to do on the other side of this you know with the changes mm. that will occur lots of stuff will come back restaurants and the tattoo parlors and hair salons and all that you know we're, we're not just going to be done with those things so there's a lot of things that won't flat out change but there's going to be a lot of new opportunities so can you take this extra time these you know uh, ability that we're not always on the go or out doing something else take that time to be better prepared positioned uh and ready for you know what the new post-corona life will be like so yeah agreed interesting. um well i know there's a book that'll be on my radar coming up and uh if i may i'll call you out um that you know you just <laughs> helped uh your wife hella fredrickson um yes. her by bi a biography uh that correct um, now that's going to be in Danish uh, first, I believe. You have a Danish publisher. What's uh, what's the timeline for us non-Danes? Yeah, so book went to print actually yesterday, and it's been quite the journey to get it there. I mean, so Hella was very fortunate. So she, it's going to be published in da in Danish by Lintard and Ringhoff, which is a big publisher here in Scandinavia. And then the English version, we're actually right now we will. We will dive into the world of self-publishing, <laughs> um, and we will publish. Uh, we anticipate around September, October time. We have a translator 
who's actually based in New York, um, Danish to English translator, who's currently in the process of translating the Danish book. Uh, so we um, we will work with the publisher here in Denmark to, to facilitate the printing, but then we will uh, market it and uh, yeah, sell it ourselves through our own platforms and Amazon as well and fulfillment centers as of September or October later this year. Very cool. Um, for those Danish speakers uh, out there in the audience, uh, I'm sure if you know me, you know Ben and know Hella, so you know how absolutely uh, just incredible, intelligent, uh, fantastic athlete and you know beautiful, smart, kind human uh, Hella is. Um, but for the rest of us, uh, we will keep a spot on the bookshelf and look forward to this fall uh, having a new read uh, I'm excited to learn more of the story because I've only had brief interactions and encounters of, as Hella as you know, just a premier world-class athlete, um, you know, in her journey up to being a full-distance triathlete and competing uh, for the first time at Kona and seeing her post-race to be that that close to an athlete mm. after a competition like that. Um, really incredible and eye-opening there. So I'm excited for that story uh, and to, to dive in and read more about it. So that'll be quite cool. But as as we touched on, time these days uh, seems to be a bit all over the place, and time today has just cruised right on by. Um, ben, I want to say thank you for uh, for taking time in your afternoon, uh, heading into the evening to to share share a chat with me. Uh, I've seen you bouncing about there on social media and stuff, and uh, we've all been cruising forward. It's been too long since we talked, and I hope it is not nearly as long before we talk again. But Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, buddy. My pleasure, Paul. My pleasure. Anytime. And uh, yeah, as always, keep up the good work. It's uh, been cool to see you dive into the world of podcasting. I think you're doing a great job. So uh, yeah, happy to be a part of it. I appreciate it. All you out there, uh, hit that subscribe button, whichever uh, platform you're listening with, and we will have more to come in the coming weeks, days, months, and even in the post-corona days. We'll try to keep this going and keep chatting with all the different friends and colleagues and interesting profiles out there. So take care. This has been I've Seen You. <laughs>